0: And welcome to the Pacific Northwest Showdown Podcast. We are your hosts, Michaela and Kate. That's right. And this is episode two of season two. We are back. We are back. Yeah. And we are really excited because today, a little bit later in the episode, we will be joined by special guest, Seattle sports photographer, Anthony May. It's going to be so excited. So make Exciting. sure you stay tuned for that mm-hmm. interview and he kind of shares with us about his experience having photographed all seven professional sports teams that we cover here on the Pacific Northwest Showdown. That's pretty cool. That's the Seawolves, OL Rain, the Seahawks, the Storm, the Mariners, the Kraken, and the Sounders. Whoa, all of them. Nice. All of them. So definitely want to stay tuned for that. But first, kind of got some big brother words going in there. But yeah. First. Hashtag, but first. Um. I just want to share a really cool experience that Kate and I had yeah this week on Monday. It was so fun. We went to the Cliff Avril Family Foundation charity event. Yeah. Dining to make a difference. That's right. We sure did. And we got to meet a lot of really awesome people. Yeah, there it was it was it was impressive. They did a really they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. It was the most beautiful night. You could not have asked Gorgeous for a location better sunset great location yeah it was at the, the the golf club at newcastle yep so it was gorgeous i mean well and it was kind of smoky which isn't really great but it also made the sunset really beautiful so if you have to have like a positive silver lining there that would be it for me yeah we met uh you know former seahawks legends you know walter jones yeah that was cool lofa Tatupu was there yep kj right our bff apparently so our bff kj was there it was great Jermaine curse was there yep. sydney jones yep isaiah thomas was there isaiah thomas that was super cool getting to meet him yeah um so big big fan big fan there so that was exciting for me yeah and then richard sherman showed up to help he did you know yeah basically for the dining to make a difference experience Players will be the ones waiting on you. So they'll bring you your food. They'll ask you what you want to eat for dinner. Yeah. Tyler Lockett was there. Oh, yeah. Jamal Crawford was there too. Jamal Crawford was there. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I mean, it was just loaded with tons of folks, sports stars. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. People were giving autographs, being really, being really generous about that. There was a kind of a cocktail hour before the dinner part started. And um, people were just, it was nice. We got to meet um, just some other, just, you know, regular folks like us as well, which was, which was pretty nice. And so it was overall, it was a pretty great event. They were raising money for some, some great causes and um, and, education and programs to help students and our youth here in the community. And so of course, as somebody that works for a nonprofit that supports our youth in the community, it holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, the work that they're doing. And it's it's absolutely incredible. So if you haven't learned yet specifically what Cliff is doing with his foundation, mm-hmm. look up the Cliff Averill Family Foundation online and you can kind of see the work that they're doing and yeah. you can find ways to get involved or donate and, mm-hmm. and support the cause. Mm-hmm. So definitely check that out. Yeah. And it's this was the ninth year of them doing it. It's kind of an annual thing. So keep an eye out for next year and then maybe you can go too. Exactly. Yeah. I think we'll make sure that we you know tap in and provide our support where we can for events like these and um, so definitely show up if you can next year yeah all right so coming up next there is some important content to make sure we cover in the showdown lowdown stay tuned it is time for the showdown lowdown showdown lowdown pretty good considering how your voice has been the last few days. I know it's been a little rough so that's all right that's what teaching in September does to you though you get your voice is uh, a little thrashed but that's okay. Yeah it's like you're a rock star it's man. That's right it's thrashed I've just been like rocking out so hard at my job teaching math a whole bunch and telling kids about things and yelling at them to line up from recess and get off the big toy just <laughs> kidding I don't actually have to yell at them for that but that's hilarious. They do like to play at recess. Yeah. But who doesn't? The big toy is fun. Anyway, <laughs> not what we're here for. This is not a this is not an educator podcast, which is fine. So, yeah. This is a Seattle sports podcast where in the showdown lowdown, we talk about Seattle sports news and updates. That's right. Which we are going to start with the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners. Because the magic number is now two. It oh. is now 2. The oh. Orioles lost today. Oh. If the Mariners win tonight, I hadn't heard that. And the Orioles lose tomorrow. That's it. Is that it? The Mariners make the playoffs, baby. That was a that was a decent accent. They make the playoffs. Their magic number is 2. They either have to win 2 more okay. out of the next 8 games. Okay. Or they need the Orioles to lose one more game and they win one. Okay. Let's just take it into our own hands. Let's go ahead and just win the next let's eight just, games. Let's, that's just, a, that's let's just win on. as many as we can. Winning sounds great. Let's just do that. So that being said, this is where we're at. The magic number is now two. Okay. The next few games are going to be huge. You better get your tickets if they're not already sold out. and You mm-hmm. want to be there for the moment that they clinch a yeah. spot for the wild card for the playoffs. That would, That would be amazing. We will not be able to be there. No. We won't. We're out we of won't, town. We'll we'll be out of town. But here's the deal. This is a like it feels so real. And I don't want to yeah. get ahead of myself. I no. know anything is possible in this world, in the world of sports, anything is possible. So I'm not gonna I'm not going to say or act like this is already secured and in the bag. Yeah, you it's can not a given until it's a given. So, but what I'm saying is I'm getting excited. Mm -hmm. I'm getting really excited. This Mm -hmm. would be huge for the city of Seattle. This would be amazing and such a big deal for the Mariners organization. Yeah. And for the sports fans who have stuck along this 20 plus year drought from the playoffs. Yeah. I saw a tweet on Twitter today where somebody was like, I just bought postseason Mariners tickets. What is going on? (laughs) I was like, I know. And I I was like, I was like, I mean that that feeling is probably a pretty, a pretty big. It's feeling. a big feeling. I got you know I, I got a text earlier today. I was at work and it said at one o'clock here's your pre access to getting postseason tickets for the Mariners. And I get home and it's like three o'clock and I go to check to see if it's you know what what's happening. At it's least fun. the game that I clicked on it was like sold out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not surprised. That's super. No, awesome. they deserve it. They deserve it. So just know, be checking up on things, be looking up for Like if you want tickets, make sure your tickets are legit. Yeah. Having formerly point. worked for the Tacoma Rainiers in the ticket sales booth, there are plenty of places out there that will scam you for your money. You're going to show up to the ballpark and then they're like, that ticket doesn't scan. That's not a real ticket. You're out of luck. You're out of money. It's not our fault. Yeah. That's a good point. Just make sure with these playoff tickets that the ones that you purchase are from a legit site Mm -hmm. and from a verified resale sender, if it's through Ticketmaster or whatever the the platform is. So that's from experience having been the person who has seen complaints from people saying, I have tickets, they're right here. And I'm like, unfortunately, that's not a legit site. So Mm -hmm. the more, you know, exactly. All right. So the playoffs are on. we're on the verge of the playoffs here. Eugenio Suarez just came back. He was hitting mm-hmm. DH here the last few games. He went three for three last night, and then he had a walk. He got on base all four times he was Amazing. At bat. Amazing. And he, it was announced today that he will be playing back at third play, at third base today. Okay. Ty France held it down there for a few games. Totes. Ty France will go back to first base, which makes sense. Yeah. So, it's great to have A. Eugenio back. His bat, his energy, mm-hmm. good vibes only. That's right. Let's go. Julio Rodriguez is on track to join the team after a 10-day stint on the IL with a back strain. Mm-hmm. Thinking closer to the end of this week, early next week, we could start to see him yeah. getting some reps in and working in to get back on the lineup to Let's end the it. season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! All right. Also, before we move on to the Seattle Kraken, yeah. I do have to say this. A huge congratulations to Julio Rodriguez. Gigantic. On a 2022 Rookie of the Year award. So amazing. Well deserved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well deserved. I'm so glad that he was recognized for that amazing skill and uh, and he was he was awarded that. He was. It's amazing. And he's locked in with us for a while, which is great. He is soups locked in. Great for us. I say us like I'm a part of the Mariners, but again, us like the city of Seattle and Mariners fans, no matter where they live. So let's move on to the Kraken and hockey is back. So the Kraken have played their first two preseason matches this week. The first game was on Monday, the 26th against the Oilers and the Kraken came out on top three to zero with goals from Maddie Beniers, Ryan Donato and Morgan Geeky and assists from Decord, Sepala and Tanev. So excited that Tanov is back, Brandon by the way. Can Tandem we talk about how excited back. I am that Tanov is back? I just like, love him. Like I love him so much. He has he has the vibe that I love so much. And so I'm like, I, I'm so excited to see him back out on the ice. I love it. I love it. I love it. But c- continuing on with what I'm supposed to be talking about, um, the Kraken also came out with a win in their second preseason match up on uh, September 27th against the Calgary Flames. And the score was three to zero again with goals from Andrew. I'm so sorry if I'm gonna mess up these names, but I'm gonna try my best. Andrew Potor Potur. Oh my gosh, my brain right now. Let's sorry, see. everybody. Potur Potoralski. Potoralski. I'm gonna go with that for that now. That's I will investigate for next time. I apologize to him because he deserves better than that. Um Jaden Schwartz and Daniel Sprung. Assists came from Dunn McCann. Oleksiak, Olafson, and Sosie. Sosie? Susie. Susie. Man, I am sassy. I'm, I'm on a roll today <laughs> with hockey players. Maybe it's not just my voice. Maybe it's my brain too. Anyway, it is September for it's teachers. It's September. So their next preseason matchup is actually tonight, the tw- Thursday, the 29th at 6.30 p.m. So by the time you listen to this, that game may or may not have already happened. So it's pretty exciting though. I'm I'm really looking forward to the season this year. I know we have tickets to a couple games, and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm I'm. Whoever thought I would be like, yes, hockey is back, but I am. Hockey's a lot of fun to watch. It's, it's super and if you fun haven't to watch. Gone in person, I yeah. know tickets are expensive. Yeah, but it is a lot of fun in person. Yeah, and we highly encourage people to go it's, to C- Climate Pledge and support the Kraken. They have um. Even like the upper seats and stuff, it's still a good view and all of that too. And you can like walk around and, yeah, you know, view things from some different angles and stuff like that. But yeah, if you can go, um, I would say do it. And I mean, they maybe even look like the same day as the games because sometimes people need to get rid of their tickets and they, you know, drop the price on them and stuff. So you never know. You could find a good deal out there somewhere. That's actually solid advice. It's something that Kate and I have started to kind of do is if we're like, hey, we're up for going to a game and it's Mm -hmm. the day of. Let's Mm -hmm. see what tickets exist out there. People that need to just like that. They want to get something back for them. Um, So you can get some decently priced tickets if you're decent deals kind of waiting until the last minute to secure those tickets. Mm -hmm. So kind of a, if you can be flexible, something to keep in mind. Exactly. All right. Moving on to the Seattle Sounders. So the Sounders only have two games left in the regular season. And they did take on the FC Cincinnati on Tuesday, November. Oh, November 27th. Why did I put November? This is you're, September. You're living in the future. What's happening in November? Oh, my God. Wow. This is... See, Kate and I both have like September educator brains apparently is what's happening. So on September 27th, that ended in a draw. So the likelihood at this point that the Sounders will qualify for the playoffs yeah. for the MLS is like mm. literally quite impossible. Yeah. There would have to be a very long series of events that occur that is outside of their control. It yeah. would be based like on other what teams. happens to other teams yeah. for them to somehow magically sneak up into having enough points to qualify for the MLS playoffs. Mm -hmm. So a few things to make note of as, you know, we're wrapping up the season to just take into account Mm -hmm. is that that game against Cincinnati was actually rescheduled for a time when we had um, five of our players on international duty. Oh yeah. It wasn't originally planned to be during this time when international duty came up. Yeah. So five of our starters were doing that. And the reason that this was rescheduled was because it was in order to co- like accommodate the CONCACAF Champions League play. Oh, that's right. So they're like, hey, let's reschedule this so that they can have rest. And they honestly, yeah. with having won the CONCACAF final yeah, this year, like probably better. I would trade off going to playoffs for the MLS and have that like a hundred times over for them having won sure, that championship. Sure, game. sure. So I don't know. I have a lot of, I guess... Um, grace for them this season yeah, because I, of that, but it's also I think surprising to a lot of people considering they won the Concacaf Champions League. I think league that's play. the hard part. Yeah, is for a lot of the fans is like y'all did such a great job with that, and now the rest of the season hasn't been. It maybe it feels like they peaked too soon this season. Like yeah, it hasn't they felt put all their they put all their energy and effort and winning and stuff into that into that league, uh, in that Champions League, and then now does. Don't really have as much left for the season, but I'm, I will honestly say I'm definitely not a soccer expert. So, um, maybe some other fans out there would be able to help us out on that, but that's kind of what it seems like to me just as like an observer, but keeping with soccer, um, we're going to move over to the OL rain. And so the OL rain though, have in fact clinched a playoff spot. With their win over Houston, it was a two to zero win over Houston on Saturday, the twenty fourth. This will be their sixth playoff appearance in their ten years of being established as a team in the NWSL. So the OL Reign are now in the position to potentially, you know, win the NWSL Shield on their final weekend of the regular season. So the Reign will take on the Orlando Pride. Hi, allie Watt. On Saturday, October first at seven p.m. at Lumen. And so you can secure your tickets to watch their climb for the shield. And then Seattle will need the thorns to drop points against Gotham this weekend to have a chance at the, at, you know, at winning the shield. So, um, 583's prediction model is giving 24% odds of this happening. So if you can be sure to show up and support the oil rain, um, get out there. It's, it's really, it's fun to go to those games. It's fun to see, um, to see all that in person. It'll be kind of interesting to see, um, the pride here back at Lumen and stuff against the rain. So go, go and support women's sports If you are able to. Yes. All right. The Seattle Seahawks, their current record is one and two. Yep. We know who they beat the Broncos. That's right. They did. They beat the Broncos. You know that. So they did drop their last two games and they will be taking on the Detroit lions at 10 AM on Sunday, October Mm -hmm. 2nd. And we're going to be breaking down last week's game and look ahead to Sunday's game in the Hawkeye analysis, which is coming up next. So stay tuned. I'm excited. This is the Hawkeye analysis with Michaela and Kate. Hey. So in this seg- segment, we will be breaking down last week's game against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. And we will also be looking ahead to our game against the Detroit Lions. It's coming up on Sunday. Yes. As we stated in the showdown lowdown segment. So to get started, we're going to focus on what happened last Sunday. We did play the Falcons. As I said, Mm -hmm. the Falcons won that game 27 to 23. Okay. So let me just as a, uh, as a, I want everyone to have fun and get along kind of individual. Yeah. That score That's really close. And I know close doesn't count in winning football games, but like it wasn't a blowout. Oh, no, it It, wasn't a blowout. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, dang, you know, it was, I mean, there were some moments like that, but overall, you know, we did pretty well. We did, we did a lot better offensively than we did against the San Francisco 49ers. Which was more of a blowout oh yeah we didn't score offensively against the niners we s- literally scored zero points offensively yeah they are special teams <laughs> exactly <It> goes <laughs> to special teams the week prior mm-hmm. so things that are like highlights from last sunday you had time to digest what happened it's now yeah. thursday we're recording this the offense was able to get rolling gino smith looks very calm and collected under center yeah He is doing just fine. He has time too. He had had time as the game progressed. It felt like he was starting to be under pressure a little bit more. Here's my, my struggles. And I get that there were penalties that were called that probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't have been called that completely kind of changed the dynamic of, of the game. And yeah, it went third and long and he throws an interception I get that there are situations and circumstances that were not on Gino in those, in that moment. Sure. But for some reason for me, it's hard to get it out of my head that in these moments, when we have an opportunity for a game winning drive, I feel like when Gino's under center, a turnover happens. And again, there were circumstances we were rolling, we were going, then a a holding penalty gets called out. It brings it back quite a ways. It's a long shot. He throws it up. And boom, interception. I just can't get it out of my head for some reason that between last year and this year and those game-winning drives and we have the ball and we're moving it down, that a turnover happens. Okay. So here's what I'm saying. Overall, Geno Smith, accuracy on point. Yeah. Hitting his targets, completing his passes on point. Like feeling like he's under control protecting the ball for the most part yeah totally good okay so but but just in that kind of like the high pressure moments like the more yeah intense kind of like willy or wony sort of situations that's when you're feeling like it's not coming through maybe a little bit okay and again I hear. I heard all of all of the people that said that's not on Gino, and I I agree that there are circumstances in there that we're not on Gino. Sure, but I need to start seeing these game winning drives, winning us games. Sure, I mean, that makes sense. I'm not ready to say that they need to put Drew Lock in. I think that Gino is the guy, and I think they'll yeah. stick with him. Yeah, but you can tell number one, like. The defense hasn't been helping. Okay. That's a good, I mean, the tackling is a thing. The tackling is abysmal. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. And that's been like, we could not stop their run. There was literally no reason for the Falcons to have to even throw the ball through the air at all. Yeah. They were having their run game was going pretty well. They, they put up so many yards on it. Like, They could have just ran the ball the whole game, controlled the entire clock, and just easily blown us out, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. They really could have. And yet they still had, given how great their run game was and how many yards they put up up on us on the ground, they had seven 20-plus-yard passes that were completed by Marcus Mariota. Seven of those explosive plays. Yeah. yeah, That's, like, highly concerning. Yeah. I can I understand that. What the heck is happening on defense? That is a great question. Well, we are you know, we're, we're, we're down Jamal, and so there's maybe I don't know. It is it leadership? Still- is it is it a lack of leadership on the field of people being able to see what plays are going to come their way? Maybe identifying the plays in advance and calling them out and communication is that the breakdown? Possibly. It could be a thing. I know you're looking at me like I'm like, I don't know you're the, the answer one that's to, this. Supposed like- <laughs> to answer this. I'm just I'm I'm sitting here and I'm I'm more so processing my thoughts of like yeah. trying to figure out what is the issue here. Why aren't they getting it together? Bobby Wagner's well, gone, he's no longer in the middle of, of the defense. True. That was identifying things left and right. He held it down. Okay. Do you feel though? Is the defense showing any improvement game over game so far through the first three games? Have you seen? Have you seen anything that makes you think okay, like this is still not great, but like that's gotten a little bit better? I would say from the rookies. Yes. Well, that's good. That's what so you so from the rookies. Tariq Woolen got his first interception. Yeah. Before the half, um, in the Atlanta Falcons game. Yeah. First interception for the Seahawks all season yeah. in three games. So Tariq Woolen zeroing in, getting comfortable mm-hmm. making plays. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant also had a sack in that game. Mm-hmm. Coming, coming off, you know, he's yeah. playing nickel. Came in, got a sack. Yeah. Boye Mafe's making a statement. Pete Carroll said he needs to get more playing time. Yeah. We heard that all the time about Alton Robinson, and of course he's injured right now. But are they gonna put Boye Mafe in more often? Well, I mean, if, hopefully, if Pete's saying that he should play more, hopefully they actually do. It was interesting because KJ Wright apparently said this week um, that the players that they have right now for the run defense, Mm -hmm. that they don't fit the defensive scheme. like Their skill sets don't necessarily fit the defensive scheme well. So they're not using their skill sets to the best of their ability, which is why potentially some of these issues are coming along. That's interesting it's very interesting because we just changed the scheme that we were playing to hopefully be better. Cause everybody was pissed off about Ken Norton and how yeah. he was playing people and yeah. that he wasn't utilizing Jamal Adams to his strengths and other players. And mm-hmm. of course there was this issue last year with defense. That's why Ken Norton's gone. And we got hurt <laughs> literally. Yeah. Like as our defensive coordinator. Yeah. And we're, f- f- I mean, it's a struggle and granted they have, a lot of new players. This is a whole new defense that are trying to get, you know, on the same page communication. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm genuine. I'm, I'm kind of concerned, but well, it was, it's only been game three. Now Doug says game seven, Doug Baldwin. That is says game seven. You got to have it all together by game seven, which seems like, you know, a decently, a decent chunk of time to get that figured out. So looking forward to the game against the lions, who their defense, like their their just team in general last week looked I think better than most people expected. The the Lions are surprising people. Their offensive line yeah. is is set. You know they had selected Penny Sewell like last year fifth overall or something. He yeah. he they solidified their offensive line. Jared yeah. Goff is is comfortable. He's he was never like a bad quarterback. He helped get the Rams to a yeah. Super Bowl, and so. You know, I think he's comfortable enough. He has some great targets. Yeah. And I mean, for the picks this week, everybody's picking the Lions over the Seahawks. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. Which I don't think is a thing that we've really experienced before with the Lions. Well, that and as a Seahawks. (sighs) Yeah. It's not something that's common that literally nobody picked us to win this game. Yeah. So... For the weekend, here's kind of what we need to see. First of all, our defense. I swear to God if I have to say this every week on this podcast if tackling is an issue all season, I'm just going to I'm going to lose it. Tackling needs to get better. The run defense is highly concer- concerning. You know what? Like change the scheme if you have to change a scheme to make it work for what's being thrown at us and to to utilize these players' strengths to the best of their ability. Was it the defense that um, Pete was talking about how people were kind of going off script and doing their own thing and that they needed to rein it back in? Like, that's weird. Yeah. People are just, like, doing their own thing out there. Uh, That's... According to Pete. According to Pete. We practice every week this specific stuff so that we know what we're doing. Stick to the script. Like, don't go off the cuff yeah because there is that there is that need right to be able to uh, instinctually play and the adjust, game adjust right to things but it seems like there's a couple times where we were watching the we were watching the game with the falcons and you were like you're like it's blown coverage and blow like all that's and 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 the guys i was like kind of like i was like it wasn't really blown they were like there they just weren't there i mean it wasn't like some of the times the 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 offensive Person wasn't like wide open, but they were they were open enough, right? So it's just getting getting our defensive players to be closer to where they need to be so that they can make. Well, and there's plays. a communication breakdown in terms of yeah. like who's supposed to be covering who, right? And so blown coverage, miscommunications. Sometimes it's tripping, falling up over their own feet, and all of a sudden somebody's wide open. But too yeah. often in the Falcons game did I see, some like Marcus Mariota just have somebody wide open to pass to. Yeah, And so when you're not there to compete for the ball mm-hmm. or to put stress on the receiver to catch the ball, yeah, I mean, they're going to gain massive explosive plays and yards on you. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be really comfortable throwing the ball. And they're going to be really comfortable running the ball because you're trying to prevent both. And that's why a well-balanced offense is so important. Totally. So against the Lions... I need that run defense to show up because I actually haven't seen the run defense do a good job in the first three games. Okay. and if that means that they get to challenge our young, you know, rookie corner and our, you know, Quandre Diggs as safety, God, just put Ryan Neal in. Where has, Where Ryan, has Neal been? Ryan Neal been? That man needs to get some playing time. I'm not saying that Josh Jones is terrible. He had some moments this last game that I questioned and I asked. That's when I started saying, where the heck is Ryan Neal? Yeah. Because last season, when he had to step in for Jamal Jamal Adams through his injuries, Ryan Neal was making plays. He was instinctually able to read what was going to happen, and he was there. And you yeah. could tell, you know, it's just like God has he been working with Cam Chancellor because some of his hits for how small this dude is is just like that was I know he rocked him or he was going for the ball. He was a ball hawk. He would mm-hmm. locate the ball and he'd go for it. Yeah. And so I'm just really curious. I would love to see more of Ryan Neal. I just think he's a great player. I was like half half wondering if he's been like injured or something these exactly. first three weeks because I'm like, why is he not like even for like a play or two, like not even going in? I, I haven't seen him out there at all. So put Ryan Neal in. I want to see more of him. And then offensively, you know what? The run game hasn't really been getting going. I don't know if it's an offensive line situation. I mean, here's what we do know about our, our tackles are actually the highest graded according to PFF at the moment and take PFF grades for what it's worth. Sure. Right. So our two rookie tackles are the highest grade through the first three weeks on our offensive line. They're not like top notch, you know, they're like average offensive line grades. And then our guards and our center are substantially lower. And we're like, what the hell? Those are supposed to be our veteran guys that are really like the anchor there in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So what we know about our tackles is that they were both in offenses in college that were air raid. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily needing to, You know, protect the run game, or you know, block for the run game as much as they were protecting the pass. So they're better in the pass protection area. But our interior offensive linemen are the ones like they should giving up to the to the to the run game, blocking for that. Yeah. So they need to get going on the run game. We've had a hard time running up the middle. Like I feel like when we've been doing that in some of these games, it is not worked it's like well and we got back to i have the never line. been like run it on the, run it out on the outside yeah the middle i've just never not, been the person not to like working. ask for that and now i'm just like bounce it to the outside yeah because the, the middle wasn't working so i'm just like why are we doing the same things over and over again that obviously aren't effective i've been very very happy with seeing gino smith spread the love yeah his use of the tight ends has obviously been helpful because yes. they have received they've gotten like three of our touchdown Kobe passes and Colby Parkinson's he's doing great. Been showing up. Surprisingly, Noah Fant's been quiet, and everybody thought he would be tight end one, but it's Will Disley and Colby Parkinson whose yeah. name you're hearing more. Yeah, and I mean, Noah Fant's out there; he's getting plays. Yeah, like he's he's on the They're field. They're doing three tight end sets out um, there to help with blocking and/or just using yeah. three tight ends as receivers. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an that's an interesting one to me too because I, well, and I kind of wondered too if people thought that maybe Noah Fant would be more that tight end one because people really expected drew lock to be qb and then you know with the relationship that they had that that would be kind of the well and the fact that those were so when you think about the three players that came from denver and that trade for russell wilson you're thinking that they need to be sending players that are going to be impact players in the field of course drew lock lost the battle for qb1 yeah no offense been quiet as quiet can be yeah Shelby, Shelby Harris. He was we got, loved, He got injured. But he's right? injured. He yeah. might be back this week. Yeah. So, but he was doing pretty well when he was in. I feel like he, I yeah, feel like there were some plays he, that he made that were play. like good plays. But so, that being said, yeah, you would hope mm-hmm. that the players that you receive are like when yeah. you're making that big of a blockbuster trade. Well, and we also got, we also got future draft picks too yeah. involved. So, um, overall, as a package, I think, you know, it's yet to be seen, but um but yeah i think that i think that you know we just kind of need to see what's going to happen they're probably still settling in a little bit on all this and um yeah i mean this game's going to be interesting cuz they're playing in detroit too mm-hmm. and you know i have a i have a soft spot for detroit i have a soft spot for the lions and so it's hard cuz i'm like Usually if the lions are going up against other teams, I'll cheer for the lions over yeah. the other teams. Cause that's just kind of where it is. So obviously I have to cheer for the Seahawks in this situation, but I think it's going to just be really interesting given the different dynamic the lions are working with so far this year and how, how that all is going to play out is going to be very interesting. I think the, the lions for me are like, I have, I do have a lot of love for them and in the sense of like, you want them to find yeah, exactly. Success. Like, it's such a, it's, I have nothing against. They've had the Lions. such years of like Detroit teams, maybe not the Red Wings, but the, like you know the Tigers and, and the Lions. Um, you know, they, they just they the Lions and the Tigers and Bears. Oh my! But they don't have the Bears. Bears are Chicago. I, Chicago. Have, I know that one. Mm-hmm. But like you know, they just have struggled and stuff for a while, and so you just I don't know. I I just want good things for them a little bit here and there. So. I would like if they didn't win on Sunday in this case, Um, but they can do well in other situations and I'm okay with that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's going to wrap up our Hawkeye analysis. We're really excited to continue to do this as the season progresses. Yeah. And we hope that every week we're going to come with some solid news and we won't have to talk about the Seahawks abysmal tackling because please, please figure that out. They could just go, uh, they could just go talk to the Seawolves like hey like call up the sea wrap wolves them up what's the get, best way to tackle and get, and and get some extra bring them down. extra tackles for me or just because rugby they know little... how to tackle in rugby oh yeah so you know
1: Jeez, yes have go, some
0: walk-ons from from go, the sea wolves. go call the sea wolves <laughs> that's my advice there you go <laughs> all right thanks for tuning into the hawkeye analysis coming up next is our special guest segment with anthony may so stay tuned All right, we are joined by Anthony May, who is a Seattle based photographer. And, you know, we have the opportunity to talk with him today about the fact that he has had the opportunity to shoot all seven professional sports teams here in Seattle that we cover here at the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. And we are really excited to kind of dive into what that world is for you and what that experience is like because it's very different than what a fan would experience you're a lot more up close and personal you see probably some behind the scenes things that fans aren't privy to so anthony thank you for joining us today
1: thanks for having me today
0: awesome kate do you want to kick us off with the questions yeah of course i always love getting started so um we ask every guest this when they come on our show so what's your favorite part about living in the pacific northwest
1: I think just the beauty, it's, it's amazing that you can have pretty much every climate in the world within like five hours drive of Seattle. I mean, you've got two mountain ranges with the Olympics and the Cascades. You've got desert in the Southwest. If you want to make it to a rainforest, there's the whole rainforest. I mean, you've got everything at your fingertips. So, um, you know, and Seattle in the summer is pound for pound, one of the best places to believe, you know, to be in. So yeah, um, it's just beautiful and it's home for me. So
0: were you born and raised in the Pacific Northwest?
1: Born and raised. One of the few people that don't actually leave. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, I haven't, I haven't no. either. Born and raised. Well, there we go. There we go. We can connect on that.
1: That's right. Uh,
0: so what inspired you to pick up a camera and kind of what sparked your love for photography?
1: So like most people, you know, I would take, photos, went on vacation and just, you know, with friends and things like that. And then I got the chance to observe a wedding photographer and just saw how much fun they had posing all the people and just interacting with them. And I thought that was really fun. And so I ended up going to Best Buy, bought my first camera and, and a couple of lenses to go with it and really honestly had no idea what I was getting myself into. I, at that point, had never really thought of myself as a particularly creative person. Um, I come from more of an IT and kind of yeah. math, you know, background. So, you know, I just never really felt particularly creative. And what I didn't know at the time that I know now is that there is a very big parallel between people that are in IT and in photography. Um, and I think, I think where that comes through um, is a lot of the geometry that I see is what draws my eye. And I think that's where the the math comes into play.
0: Yeah, That makes a lot of sense. Well, and I think about, you know, needing to know all of the Photoshop and the commute, like the computer aspects of how you might, you know, make a photo, what it becomes. Um, So, and how to use a camera, that's a lot of technical Mm -hmm. skill that I don't, you know, that people might discredit when they think about the creative aspect. Um, You might have a vision and an eye to see things a certain way, but there's again the technical skill that has to come into play with photography is huge.
1: For sure. And I think the other thing that really helped is that when I first got started I met some really really cool people mm-hmm. that were content, you know, and happy to show me kind of the ropes and to go traveling different places and to get me exposed to different environments. I love to travel. I love to hit the road in my car and drive to random places all over the state and I think that paired really well, um, you know, go to interesting places, take cool photos. I mean, and, or vice versa, I want to go take this cool photo. So I need to travel to cool places. So they, they dovetail really well together.
0: Do you have like a favorite place that you've traveled to to take some of these amazing photos?
1: Oh man, it's hard to pick out one in particular Hawaii, you know, for obvious reasons is is a very fantastic place to go um lots of varied landscape um, like i said earlier living in the pacific northwest you definitely have a lot of different opportunities to get different things you obviously have a major city in seattle with different cityscapes you've got you know different um you know types of landscape you've got forest you've got um you know like in Palouse falls you've got a waterfall in the desert which you don't really see i mean that's that's pretty cool um So, I mean, I would say Hawaii, but, you know, that's kind of a cliche. Um, Some other interesting places, um, Nevada, like Valley of Fire State Park, that's really nice. I really like to do aerial photography, um, and so I've done some really interesting places. Like I've flown over Hoover Dam, which is one of my favorite places to see. Um, I've done that here in Seattle and Tacoma and, and saw some pretty interesting viewpoints. And uh, right now, aviation photography has definitely got my my eye right now. I've, I've been kind of obsessed with it for about the last six months.
0: I, I've noticed you have some great shots that you've put out there mm-hmm. um, on social media. And I, I kind of feel bad admitting that I went to WSU, I'm a Coug, and I've never been to Palouse Falls. <laughs> I don't know if I should admit that, but I just did. So now people know it's still a place that I want to go and it looks gorgeous. And I'm somebody that I have a decently nice camera. I enjoy photography for my own personal like hobbies and my own joy. It's never, you know, to to make money or in that aspect. But landscape photography is one of those things for me that just brings me a whole lot of joy. Um, So I appreciate hearing what you have to say too, or like, where should we go? Where's a good place to, you know, take some photos and um, for me, like Cannon Beach is a huge place. I just love Cannon yeah. Beach. The sunsets are gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, you are more than welcome to join me anytime that you want. I love having company because I actually learn by what other people see because, you know, everybody has an agenda, right? Everybody sees things a certain way. And in order to be better, I, I want to see what I'm not seeing. So, it's amazing, and, and I actually have a story we'll, uh, well, I'll tell a little bit later to answer one of the questions coming up. But it's funny that you can have two people that are standing side by side, looking at the same place, and see things completely different. They can right. have, take a different approach. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm with other photographers is to see what they're seeing. Because, uh, you know, maybe I'm missing something.
0: hmm 100%. It's a great outlook to have, too. I mean, overall, because it's... Uh it can, I think sometimes you can get kind of stuck in like focusing on what you're trying to do or how you're trying to do it, that, um, it's not always as easy to like look around at what other people are doing or seeing. So that's pretty neat that you're, that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So we're going to dive into the sports realm a little bit because you have photographed so many sports teams. First of all, what was the first professional sports team that you gr- got credentials to to shoot in Seattle?
1: First one was the Seahawks back in twenty thirteen. It was the game against the Vikings.
0: Wow. Okay. So, what was that experience like for you? Was it nerve wracking? Really over.
1: It was nerve wracking. Um, so, I can't get into the very specifics, but. Um what I did at the time this is before I had a kid so I had a lot more disposable income so I figured out what the rules were at uh, CenturyLink and uh brought the longest zoom lens that I could bring in and at that time because I had you know a lot of disposable income I could actually you know buy pretty decent seats this is before the Super Bowl win so you know things were still affordable back then and I would just shoot whatever I could from where I sat and yeah. You know, then I would post and started to get a little bit of a following and somehow came across the Seahawks radar radar, and they invited me to come to the the Vikings game. And I had kind of befriended one of the Seattle Times photographers, an amazing photographer, John Locke, and he'd see me in the stands and he'd always ask me, are you coming down today? And I'd be like, no, not today. And he's like, okay, well, maybe next week. And then finally um You know it happened, and so you know I saw him in the photo media room, and I was super nervous because they they just kind of drop you in the deep end there, like not really a whole lot of instructions and things like that. Which in one case is is kind of good because it's like you know do whatever you want, but at the same time I'm like mm-hmm. very predicated on like instructions. What can I do? What can I not do? What's okay? What's not? And I didn't really get a whole lot of that, so that was really kind of overwhelming. And so I would asked John, I said, well, hey, you know, can I follow you around? And curiously, he said, well, I'm going to follow you around. And I was thinking like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Why would you want to follow me around? And so anyway, you know, he kind of gave me the ropes like, okay, you know, don't stand here, you know, kneel in the end zone, you know, don't stand behind the bench. And other than that, you know, just keep your head on a swivel because action can be coming to you at any point. Yeah. Okay. You know, simple enough. And later in the game um, there was, I think it was Christian Ponder was the the quarterback at the time. And he ends up throwing an interception to Walter Thurman who ends up running it back for a pick six. And from my position, I was probably three quarter on the right side behind him. So I, I can actually see the ball going to where Walter's jumping the route. And, <laughs> one of the toughest part is, you know, I'm still a fan at that point and I am now, but it's a little bit different, you know, at that point, like, you know, I want to jump up and start screaming and stuff like that, but I actually have a job to do, like I've got to follow the action all the way through. Mm -hmm. And so like, it was really hard to like, not, you know, just like jump up. And so I'm watching him come in the end zone and uh, he's doing his, his touchdown dance and Byron Maxwell uh, jumps on his back and it's, it's just really kind of a cool image and so you know i'm shooting it all the way through and so then afterwards when the play is done and you know the kick the extra point i'm looking back i'm like okay oh please tell me you got this you know um i'm nervous about this and so i see them just like okay hey cool i i I got this and i turn to my right and who's sitting next to me but john locke Mm -hmm. and it was at that moment i'm just like okay cool because he's just like see you have the right instincts you know what you're doing and that's when I felt like, okay, hey, like I, I really do deserve to be here. Like I know that I can do this. And so what really furthered that is later at the end of the year, of course, the Seahawks win the Super Bowl and the Seattle Times published a book where it was a photo book of the season. And so they have like their top photos for, you know, every game. And for the Vikings game, it's John's picture next to me of the same scene where Byron Maxwell's jumping on Walter Thurman's back. And so wow. it's just like, okay, you can produce a photo that's capable of being published. And so then I was just like, okay, yeah, I, I got this. I can do this. And that really boosted my confidence.
0: Oh, I bet that's like a hundred percent. Cause it would be so nerve wracking for the first time, like going into be intimidating. Yeah. Like into that. It was space extremely book. intimidating. Am I going to stand in there? Like, Am I going to stand in the wrong spot? Where am I supposed to go? What's the policy, the procedure, all of that stuff? That would be, that would 100% be in, intimidating. And plus, we, like the imposter syndrome, I'm sure of like
1: being absolutely 100%. 100%. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we went well because a lot
1: of the people, the lot of people that are out there, they're journalists, right? They went to school for you know photojournalism. They've been doing this you know on the collegiate level or the high school level. They've been doing this for years. And at the time that I had you know gotten out there, let's see, I think I probably got camera maybe twenty ten. So I mean, we're talking about three years, and I mean, I wasn't really you know, working that hard at doing it, you know, I shot maybe a couple of high school games, but like, sure. you know, to, to get out there and do that, that quickly without any formal training, you know, made that imposter syndrome even feel larger than you know sure. what it would have been if I had gone to school. So like, it was really nerve wracking. And I was just glad that I had supportive people that, you know, were there for me to to say, Hey, you know, you're doing great. You know, you're doing a good job.
0: That is so that's helpful. Really, yeah, that's really helpful. So You've photographed all seven of the professional teams. So that's the Kraken, the Storm, the Mariners, the Rain, the Sounders, the Seahawks, and got to love it, the Seawolves. So (laughs) uh, all of those, um, which sport was your favorite to photograph? Or can you pick a favorite?
1: You know, it changes. So at first, it was... You know, obviously the Seahawks, I was a fan. So, you know, just like living the dream doing that. Right now, honestly, after this season, I, I think I actually enjoy the storm the, the most. Um, yes. I also had the opportunity to shoot Seattle uh, U basketball um, a couple games last season, and I'm just really digging women's basketball right now. Um, the emotion is really great. Um, I love Climate Pledge Arena, they've got some really great sight lines. Mm-hmm. Um, they really take care of the photographers there. Um, I just really loved everything about the storm. It's not that I, you know, don't like the Seahawks. I still do. I mean, I, I love them, but right now women's basketball is just like really I'm vibing with it really well. I really like the rain. Um, mm-hmm. I love just the emotion, you know, when they score goals. I mean, Jess Fishlock is always jumping in somebody's arms. I mean, it's, just it's so much fun to see. And I think that's one of the things that drew me to photography is telling stories mm-hmm. and using a visual medium to do it. Like I'm not a writer. I, I would, would not write a story, but what I can do is I can tell a story, you know, from the images that I take. And, um, you know, between the, the rain and the storm, like they are giving me all, all the emotion and it's, it's a really, it's a lot of fun to see.
0: Yeah. I can imagine for some of those photos, it would be even like more than a picture is the same as a thousand words or whatever the phrase is. Like, it, some of those, some of those emotions lately, uh, were probably like, you know, 10,000 at least words for that photo because there was like so many, especially with the storm this season with like how, um, with two birds last season and just some of the amazing plays and all of that. Like, yeah, there's, <laughs> Well, it's a lot of emotion, like you said, yeah. Anthony. It's like it there's it's high emotion and that's what sports offer, mm-hmm. whether it's from the fan base or the players or the coaches. Like sports take us through a roller coaster of emotions. And yes. you as a photographer, it's your job and probably your joy to capture those moments, right? Because we're very human beings that really connect us with the moment. Mm-hmm. So it, you it
1: definitely it it's it, it does it both ways, and I might be getting the the year wrong. I think it was twenty seventeen where the Seahawks missed the missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were playing the Cardinals, and it was at the same time. I think we were like a one twenty five game, and they were like a one o'clock game, so they were a little bit ahead of us. And we needed them to lose and us to win in order to make the playoffs. And my assignment that day was to capture sideline portraits of the players and i knew when we lost or when we lost the opportunity to make the playoffs because the cardinals won because there was a, a photo i got of, of frank clark who just had this like look of anguish on his face and tyler lockett just looked kind of disgusted and, and and that's when i knew that the cardinals had won and we were out of the playoffs and yeah. so it, it's both sides right you get the you know the jubilation and and the, excitement you also get you know the other side you know the disappointment the sadness Um, but you know you're there to capture it all good or bad
0: 100 percent. so let's focus on the good because I'm curious is there a specific photo or sports moment that you captured that was one of your favorites and so I said one of your favorites because I'm sure you've gotten a whole lot of like amazing moments but what was the moment and why
1: You know, I think the one that I was talking about with Walter Thurman, I, I think that that was the why is because that was my first one where I, I got that, and that's what sticks out at me. Um, mm-hmm. And just the moment, you know, you know you're know, you battling to win, and, you know, this is 2013, so, I mean, the, the, the Seahawks are just, you know, a, a lawnmower just, just going through teams, and just hearing how the stadium erupts, and it just – there's nothing like it. I mean, I I know you guys have probably been to games and and a lot of the people listening have been there. There's just nothing like it. Um, as a fan, I was there for the, the, the beast quake against the, the saints back in 2010. And that was so loud. I thought I was going to pass out because it was just like, it was just mind blowing. I'd never heard anything like that before. Um, So it's, it's just incredible. Um, if I had to pick another one, it was honestly the the parade, the the 2013 parade after they, they won the Super Bowl. it was freezing and I picked out my spot and, you know, just to see how happy the players were and how happy the city was. Um, I remember the night that they won. I don't even know how I even got the tip to go there, but I was out in Ballard on Market Street and like, you know, people were just out in the streets, just having a great time. And, and, it was just so much fun. So, you know, I think those are probably the two things that stick out most in my mind. I mean, there, I'm sure there's a number of other, uh, other things that I've witnessed, but you know, it's, it's hard to talk when you win a championship.
0: It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, your work is amazing. Beautiful. And so where can our listeners find you? Like, On social media like where can they find how to buy prints of your work tell us all about it
1: so um i actually have a couple of twitter accounts so i have one that's dedicated just to the photography and that's cascadia photog so just c-a-s-c-a-d-i-a-p-h-o-t-o-g and that will just be just the the photos and and kind of the business of it um I obviously have uh, a lot of opinions about various different things, so it's uh, uh, a may two oh six. Um, if you want to get everything, um, Cascadia Photog. If you want just the, the light version of that, and it's the same thing on Instagram for Cascadia Photog. And then I have a website. It's uh, https colon slash slash www dot dot So that's antmaphoto.com first three of my first name, my last name, photo.com. And, you know, I put photos up there on a regular basis there. Um, it's a way to support my work. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I do it for the love of it. You know, I'm I'm happy to do it and I'm happy to share, but it, it definitely, you know, feels good when someone, you know, likes something enough to put on, on their wall or to get a gift and, you know, it helps pay for gas and, you know, for all the various trips and things like that so um you know i don't do it to be rich or anything like that i do it for the love but it definitely helps
0: i think that's an important thing to put out there too it's like the mm-hmm. things that we do as creators and whatever content we put out there whether it's photographer writing podcasts like we're not making much off of oh, these things oh, but yeah, there's, there's uh, we're making a lot, a lot of, of joy a lot of folks who make who make yeah. a lot off of some of this kind of stuff but it's yeah. absolutely
1: and I think it's important for for artists to support each other I mean we all have a space you know that that we occupy and we we work with each other to, to lift each other up and one of the things that I really like about Seattle is that the photography community is really really welcoming particularly the media community I talked about how you know John Locke was really cool there are a lot of other photographers that you know, work for the various outlets there and they're all super supportive. Like everybody wants the shot, but sometimes, you know, it's not possible to get it. So, you know, they're like, okay, well, if you do this, you know, you can get that, you know, you can get that shot or try this angle or try this. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful because, you know, we all want to grow. We all want to get better. And I'd rather somebody else get the shot than nobody get the shot if I can't. And, you know, I know that there are other people that feel the same way and that, that helps a lot.
0: And that's, that's the beauty. I love what you just said. There's like, I'd rather somebody get the shot than nobody get the shot. And I think that it, that applies to just the world in general. So it's like how we could celebrate and support one another more often when it comes to like, instead of feeling jealous or wishing that that's what we had had, or that's the moment we experienced it's yeah. just, just like celebrate other people's wins. And so um, I appreciate you saying that too.
1: Yeah, I'm always trying my best to, you know, promote other photographers and, and you know, let somebody get their shine because we have a lot of talented people around here. And, you know, I've developed some really good friendships because, I mean, you're, you're literally sitting on the trenches. You know, sometimes it's, you know, you know, 90 degrees outside and you're melting and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, 38 degrees and raining. And so you kind of develop this camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want people to do well, you want them to get further opportunities, you want them to be successful. And so, you know, anytime that I can, you know, I do my best to, you know, promote my friends because I want them to do well.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That makes sense. Well, Anthony, we want to thank you for joining us as our special guest for this episode. And just for your time to kind of give us a little bit of a sneak peek of what it's like to be a photographer on the field for these sporting events. So cool. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, make sure you go and support Anthony and the work that he's doing for Seattle Sports. Go purchase yourself a print or your family member a print. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful work. So please, please go check it out.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You've got mail. Welcome to the mailbag segment where we answer the questions you ask us. If you ask us, we will attempt to, to answer. answer. So, we're starting out with a longtime listener, Mike McCarty, who asks The Hawks defense is a work in progress, but having a QB master a game winning drive has been taken for granted. After three games, do you see a first round draft pick being spent on a QB or on something else? That's a great question. It is a good question. And to be honest, I would say that they very well. This is a, a supposedly yeah. this is a stacked draft in regards to potentially great quarterbacks Okay, that are coming up. Yeah. And so I could see the Seahawks wanting to snag one of those quarterbacks to again, Pete Carroll loves a good competition. He does. If if this offense Mm -hmm. can't secure wins Mm -hmm. with geno smith Mm -hmm. they're going to need to add to the quarterback competition yeah that makes sense so now if the offense is going but the defense is the issue then we need to reload on defense so if if geno smith continues to be as consistent in regards to his quarterback completion, mm-hmm. can find his open targets, can mm-hmm. move the ball downfield, successful drives. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a toss up because even when we had Russell Wilson at quarterback, John Schneider loved Josh Allen. John Schneider went and watched Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Even when we had secured our quote franchise quarterback at the time, yeah, Russell Wilson. John Schneider liked those quarterbacks. John Schneider went and watched those quarterbacks, you know, as they were preparing for the draft. Yeah. I guess it was something that Russell Wilson didn't necessarily like. Probably didn't appreciate that very much. Exactly. Like, Hey, if I'm your franchise quarterback, why are you going to look at these potentially up and coming star quarterbacks to it's very much that draft, that meme, right. Of like the guy and the girl walking and the guy has his head turned around looking at the other girl. It's that, It's that, it's it's that that thing. It's that, that jealousy of like, Hey, like you're with me. You've locked in with me. Why are you looking at Mm -hmm. other people? So honestly, Mike, I think that they very well could spend their first, uh, a first round draft pick on a quarterback. Cause we have two, right? We have two first round, two second round. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think that the Seahawks fan base would be shocked if they didn't Mm -hmm. considering the potential talent that exists there and the number of -hmm. quarterbacks Mm -hmm. that could go in the first round um, next offseason. So it's a great question. But again, depending on how consistent Geno Smith is with his completion and moving the ball downfield, if he's not winning games, they're going to go get another quarterback. Yeah, they would have to. Yeah, they would have to. Thank you, Mike, for your question. Moving on to Brady Larson, 89, who says, do you think the Seahawks should put Locke in instead of Geno? I don't I don't think so yet, personally. No, I, I don't think so at all. And we kind of alluded to that fact in the Hawkeye analysis that, you know, here's the difference, I think, between Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith. Gino Smith, when he first started in the league, was very much like a gunslinger—kind of that Drew Lock mentality of like finding a lot of success in college. He yeah, had a, had a lot of touchdowns, and but he would have a lot of turnovers. Drew Locke is kind of the same situation. He's a gunslinger. He likes to make he takes risky passes. Mm-hmm. He likes to make plays happen. Sometimes that pans out, and a lot of the time that will result in a turnover. turnover yeah. So until he learns how to protect the ball and make better reads and 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 find those checkdowns. Mm -hmm. will he potentially find his strength? Now that's where Geno Smith has grown Mm -hmm. over the last nine years in the league underneath, you know, Phillip rivers. And there's a couple other quarterbacks, Russell Wilson for the last three years, you're seeing these quarterbacks who have managed a game decently well and, and, and have been highlighted as great quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, Yeah. So Geno Smith has what I feel like is a poise that, if Drew Locke had the poise of just being patient, protecting the ball, making the smart reads, being able to make the adjustments on the line, and to be able to to notice those things that are coming at them, he he would be our starting quarterback. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's at we're at a point. I don't think we're winning more games with Drew Locke. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so not yet is correct is the answer, I guess, right. for that. Brady Larson, 89. Thank you for your question. Moving over to Rick Judd, who asks If you ran for office as a federal level politician, but your policies and agenda items were sports related, what would your main campaign promise be? You said you already had something in mind. I, you well, first. I sort of thought of it, um, but it's more like, it's more like, elementary sports versus like professional sports, you know, because anyway, it's kind of like that teamwork makes the dream work. I would kind of go for that as probably my like slogan, because I think that a lot of things uh, politically or otherwise in this country require people like working together and trying to like cooperate to make things happen, you know, and, and all that. So I think that, you know, just like, they say in little kids' sports, you know, like teamwork makes it makes a dream work. Like we're gonna like do this together as a team because that's what it's about. Um, I think that's I think that's what I'd go with. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. I think what I would focus on is honestly elevating women's professional sports, equal pay, equal access for women's sports to Ooh, be that's able good. to um, you know, have access on airing on, you know, these top networks and they're working towards it. They're slowly getting there. And, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And let's be honest in terms of women's professional sports. Like there are so many more men's professional sports that we watch on an annual basis that women and, and, and you know, title nine touches on it in college and mm-hmm. equal access to the same number of sports or at least scholarships and opportunities for yeah. men and women's sports and all of that. We don't necessarily see that in the quote real world of professional sports. Yeah. So let's elevate. Women are so fun to watch. And there's plenty of reasons why I might say that, right? I am a woman. I enjoy watching women. And women are badasses. They go out there, they're aggressive, they're highly intelligent in the way that they maneuver, and yeah. they're strategic in in what they do. And they really work at their game. They have to work really, really hard to stand out and mm-hmm. to get an opportunity to even be on a professional platform. Yeah, Let's talk about the WNBA. For sure. 12 roster spots for 12 teams. Yeah, it's 144 players. is Period. all you get for the whole league. But look at how many women
1: they're in so, college sports yeah, that are playing just, basketball. There's a lot. That
0: are exceptionally good at the game, yeah. who worked their butts off yeah, just to be able to play at the college level, mm-hmm. to try to play at the WNBA level. Yeah, but then our WNBA players have to go. They have to go play international just to even make money. To right? make money. Yeah, I know it's sad. If you were to look at what our women's soccer players are making, it's not great. I think I make more than them on an annual basis. Like housing is included because they don't make enough money to pay for housing. So, I would probably lean into that and really work to elevate and make change happen on that platform Mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. So if you can get behind that vote for me, I'd vote for you. Federal level politician, women's sports advocate. Let's go. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Well, um, our next question comes from Irish Mariner 24 and they say, when the Mariners get in the postseason, how far do you think they will go? Ooh, Okay, so we're on the verge here it's a potentially, great again, potentially, mm-hmm. of making the playoffs for the first time in 20 plus years. I'm not gonna make any assumptions at this point. Nothing's locked in until it's locked in. Period. Yeah. True. So this question, I love the optimism. Mm-hmm. When the Mariners, yeah, hey, speak it into existence. I have no no, no problems with that. I also don't want to jinx it. I true. have some weird, I'm just like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be the one to say that it's a done deal when it's not so if, if slash win that magic number of two happens and they're in the playoffs i say they shock people and they just let's just like if it's been 20 plus years let's just go all the way yeah honestly though like so my realistic expectations is like if they make the playoffs i think that the seattle fan base should should genuinely be happy regardless yes. of the outcome come the first round of playoffs because okay how many, how many how many playoff rounds are there like I don't I don't know right like so it's so they'd so because it's it's like a is it it, it's bracket style right where it's like several games you play and then you win and then you move on and then you possibly win again and move on so I I think that I'm hoping that they that they make it into the playoffs I'm going to be optimistic and say that that that's a a good hopeful thing to have. And then after that, like, yeah, I mean, why not? Why not go to the world series? That'd be fun. Let's do that. It would be a lot of fun. Come on Mariners. Let's, let's all enjoy that ride. Let's make that happen. And honestly, if, if, if our team can get healthy, like let's be honest, we won 14 straight this season. It's true. We won 14 straight. And this and this last going into this last bit with with some all-star. of the losses has been has been be, we've had a lot of injuries. Show Eugenio up. Suarez wasn't there. Julio was Julio out. Julio was out. Mm-hmm. Like there was there were struggles. And I'll be honest, the Mariners' offense is very hot and cold. I feel like there's games where they're scoring nine, eleven, twelve runs, and then there's other games where they're struggling to get a point on the board. And I don't really understand. Yeah. How one night you're like just scoring run after run and then the next, like you can't even get a hit into, I don't know how many innings into the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it needs to get, it needs to happen for us to, we need to get that, that stay stay healthy for that to happen, which is nice. And that's been kind of like the Mariners biggest struggle. I think like over the years is injuries and the timing of when those injuries happen and availability of your power hitters and your offense Mm -hmm. and in the bullpen. And you know, it, it's like it's been a curse it feels like yeah well let's just hope the curse has been lifted this spooky season and that we have some good opportunities ahead of us so um thank you for that question as well um our last question comes from ryan Gemet, i think maybe Gemet. i'm sorry if i'm saying it wrong um and that question is how do you think the kraken will do this season i think personally um and i'm not i haven't I haven't gotten super into everything again yet, but, um, I think that they're poised to do better than last season for sure. Um, we've got some, some great new players in the team, a lot of, a lot of new names. They've been working on the, the lines and everything for, um, for getting all that solidified the first two preseason games so far, obviously have gone pretty well. Um, and so that's, that's a good sign also. Plus, they're having a new mascot revealed on October first. So, a new mascot is always great for energy. That's really exciting. All of that. If you haven't seen on their social media channels, um, they've been kind of dropping some some hints and like some preview stuff along the way. Like some kids that are doing the research and everything. And Mm -hmm. I think the first one had like Detlef Shrimp shrimp saying that um, you know trying to trying to sell basically like a Kraken Squatch, which was pretty funny. And they were like, but the but the Sonics will be back someday, and so then, right. you know that was like, what? You know, maybe there's some hints in there about that, which everybody would love.
1: Everybody's um, hinting
0: at that, by the way. And then the and then the, la- the the last one I saw had a couple different folks from some of the different sports Breonna teams: Verna Stewart, Stewart was in there. DJ Dallas, um, some other folks, and just kind of giving ideas and stuff too, like maybe it's a landmark, some sort of like landmark character, and they had the mayor in there too on that. So I don't know. I think the I think overall for the Kraken, you know, they've been they've been putting in some good work. Um, Dave Haxtel seems I mean, from what I've seen, he seems like he's optimistic about things. So that's helpful. They got Shane right, which yeah. still can't believe that he fell to the floor. He has you can he you can see he's got that chip. He has a on chip. His shoulder. He's going to be a solid player. We got mm-hmm. Maddie Beneers for an entire season. Last year, he came in really late in the season. Yeah. Brandon Tav- Tanev is back. Thank God. He's so quick on the ice. Mm-hmm. He, ha- he brings an energy level. I yeah. think that we're going to see a Kraken team that's going to get a Kraken. Well, and. Oh, that's good. I like that. They're going to get cracking. Mm-hmm. They're going to light it up on the ice. Yeah. I think they – look, last year is the first year that they were actually like all coming together from these different teams, from these different units well, and experiences, and they're trying to find some level of cohesion on the ice yeah. together. They're getting to know each other. They had an off-season, many of them, to become like yeah, not just, you know, colleagues on the ice essentially. Yeah. They're becoming friends. They're getting chips. that matters. That makes a difference. I had seen, um, I don't remember which player it was now, but somebody had, had done an interview and and they had talked basically about how like with all the COVID protocols and all that kind of stuff, you couldn't do that kind of outside of practice bonding and you couldn't do that kind of getting to know you thing. Or, you know, if you had to be out of the game, you'd be out of the game for, you know, a decently extended amount of of time. And so then that kind of affects your ability to build relationships too. And so, with, we do have, we do have quite a number of, of guys still on the team that were on the team last year, plus the new folks. And so, yeah, I think that just that continued, that continued bonding, that continued working together, that's, that's gotta help, you know, it's gotta make it a little bit easier. So I'm, I'm very hopeful. I don't, you know, overall in terms of like full on predictions, I don't know if I can go for that, but I'm going to say it's going to be better in terms of our record and everything than, than last year. I agree. Yeah. So thank you for your question. And that our mailbag is empty. We have no more questions inside of it. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, then this leads us to the end of this week's Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. Yeah. Season two, episode two. Thank you. Uh, Episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I just want to thank you all for listening. Totally. For sticking with us through season one. If you're a new listener and you just hopped on Thanks this season because you saw our Doug Baldwin episode for episode one. If you haven't yet, go to YouTube and watch that PNW Showdown or listen to it on Apple, Spotify, Google, any of the podcast apps that you like to tune into. Yeah. So thank you for joining us, for sticking with us through our first season, for joining us for our second season. We appreciate it. We appreciate you guys. And above all else, take care of your heart and mind. Why am I doing that backwards? I don't know. It's like it's like, it's, it's the season two way, I guess. Season two, you just do it backwards. You guys, if I just say above all else, you know, you know what it means. It means take care of your heart and mind above all else. Above all else. Until next time. Marvel moment, Marvel moment, Marvel moment, Marvel moment. Um, Welcome back to another Marvel moment where we are Marvel momenting just hanging out after the podcast ends, (laughs) just sitting around like those people that just don't know when closing time is and just won't leave. Closing Um, time. It's a good song. Time Um, for you to get out because we don't want you to stay anymore. I like the ad lib lyrics. That's pretty good. Michaela is good at like making up her own words to songs. Most of the songs that I sing aren't actually the lyrics from the songs because I don't know the lyrics. So I just make yeah. my own up. So. But it sounds decent. It's like very passable. Yeah. So Michaela, I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot going on in the world lately and everything. And I don't know if you, if you heard about this, but um, mm. the man who invented throat lozenges um, actually died last week. Is that true? Well, I mean, there was no coffin at his funeral. <laughs> all right wait um, did he actually die though? I don't know who invented throat lozenges so maybe I mean who who knows oh my it, god it's part of the it's a it was a joke. Dad joke it okay. was a joke sent to me by my dad for the dad joke the ultimate dad joke yeah thing. I don't I mean he didn't create the joke but he found it and he sent it to me and I said that's pretty great I want to use that hey Shout out to my dad. There we go. What up, dad? But I have I have a question. Yeah. How does the moon cut its hair? How does the moon cut its hair? Yeah. Did you know that the moon has hair? How does it how does the moon cut its hair? Is the moon a mammal? I thought it was a plant. How does a moon cut its hair? Um, answer the question. Something, it's a something mower. Moon mower. Eclipse it. Oh, eclipse it. Oh, that's good. and eclipse it. It's a lunar eclipse it. They like it. Mm -hmm. The sun could also cut their hair that way. By eclipsing it? Yeah, they could eclipse it because there's also, you know, a solar eclipse versus a lunar eclipse. Okay. I don't know if I know what the difference is. Isn't that a thing? Am I making this up? Look, you didn't even know if if the man who created lozenges actually died last week or not. So I feel like wouldn't throat lozenges be like, okay, can I also say, and I won't try to make this Marvel moment go too long, but I always called them lozengers. Is that not how you're supposed to say it? I don't believe there's an R at the end of the word. It's lozengers. I've said that my entire life. I think it's just lozenges it's like it's g-e-s lozenges lozenges there's no r at the end it's like people who say washington and you go where's the r in that word there is not one for those of you who say lozenges who out there says lozenges i need to know we have to do a poll like we do like a twitter poll or something i blame my mom if it's not what it's (laughs) it's not how it's actually said (laughs) sorry mom all right thanks for tuning into the marvel moment where oh you gosh. get to hear our incredibly ridiculous dad jokes and Michaela try to say things that she said wrong the whole her whole life. Well, which there's plenty of those is l- that we can practice messengers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Above all else, for whatever reason, take care of your heart and mind first, which sounds fine when I say it that way. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Totally do.